Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. It's Monday the 2nd of September. Coming up, Knife Angel sculpture on display in Kent. The face for me is the thing that impacts me the most. It's kind of a face of devastation. Warning of two-day wait at Dover after no-deal Brexit. The impact both on drivers but also on businesses that are likely to be sitting in in those queues is going to put an enormous amount of cost into a haulier that simply can't sustain it. And doctors from developing countries working in Kent. We've not been good at managing to to grow our own and and train and develop enough doctors and nurses for the NHS for many years. At the moment, this is a crisis. Kent Online News. First today, a teenage boy has appeared in court accused of murdering a man who was stabbed to death in Maidstone. Ish has the latest. Andre Bent, who was 21, died following a disturbance in the high street just over a week ago. He was from South London and was the cousin of S-Club singer Bradley McIntosh. We're not allowed to name the 16-year-old who's been charged, but we have been told he's from North London and was arrested yesterday. He's appeared at Medway Magistrates accused of murder and the attempted murder of three other men, along with possession of an offensive weapon. He's due at Crown Court on Wednesday. Kent Online reports. A man's been found injured by the side of a road in Faversham following a suspected hit and run. The cyclist is thought to have been hit on the A251 in Seldwich near Porter's Lane late on Saturday night. He'd suffered broken bones and police are now trying to trace the other vehicle involved. An inquest has opened into the death of a six-year-old boy who died after falling into a river in Sandwich during the summer holidays. Lucas Dobson from Deal was trying to step from a jetty onto a boat on the River Stour when he fell in just over two weeks ago. Today's hearing's been adjourned until November. A famous sculpture has gone on display in Kent aiming to start a conversation about knife crime. The eight-metre-high knife angel is now in Rochester Cathedral Gardens. Ish has been chatting to vicar Nathan Ward who helped organise the visit. The knife angel is made from over 100,000 knives which have either been seized or confiscated by police forces up and down the country including uh, Kent Police. Um, And the face for me is the thing that impacts me the most. It's kind of a face of devastation which um, pulls together all of the narratives of knife crime in this country. And actually the artist that put the sculpture together was a victim of knife crime himself. And where will it be displayed exactly? So the knife angel is being displayed in the gardens within the grounds of Rochester Cathedral, but there's an exhibition within the cathedral itself talking about the facts around knife crime. And then in the chapel, in the crypt, uh, we've also got a space which is more reflective um, where people can see photos of those who have tragically been killed. And there's also an angel of hope where people can tie white ribbons onto a wireframe angel. And then the exciting thing is within the garden, there's a space for people to sign a book uh, to pledge not to carry a knife. And there's also prayer spaces made available too. So is this about raising awareness of the devastating consequences of carrying weapons like a knife? For me, what this whole project is about is raising the awareness and actually helping young people in particular engage with knife crime and think through the consequences and pledge not to carry a knife. There appears to be an increase in this type of um, activity, um, which is obviously, as you say, causing devastating consequences. 
I think it's really important for young people to have conversations around this uh, because actually the media portray lots of images and facts which aren't necessarily correct. For example, 99% of young people in this country don't actually carry a knife, where actually when I speak to young people myself, they think that percentage is a lot less and they think more people are carrying knives and which then leads them to want to carry a knife for their own protection. So we want to get positive messages out about young people in Medway. Are you hoping that's really going to resonate with people when, when they see that and you're trying to educate them really about the effects that it can have? Yeah, I think the Knife Angel, which is the National Memorial for Violence, has had a massive impact every place that it's been to. And this is the first time it's ever been in the southeast of England and it's the closest that it's got to London. And so it's a great opportunity for people to come to Rochester Cathedral and see the Knife Angel and, to be honest, experience it for what it is, as well as engaging with the exhibition that we've got going on. I'm confident that people are going to be impacted by visiting the cathedral. We've got schools which we're providing free transport to come to the cathedral, so we'll be engaging with hundreds of young people as well throughout this time. It will be on display in Medway until the 29th of September. Kent Online News. Leaked government documents are warning of huge delays at the port of Dover if the UK leaves the EU without a deal. Official analysis from the Department for Transport suggests vehicles could be waiting for up to 48 hours to get to the continent, with around 8,000 cars queuing on Kent's roads. The chief exec of the Road Haulage Association, Richard Burnett, has been discussing it with Sky News. This report really doesn't tell us any more than what we've been saying to government for the last two and a half years. You know, if you've got to put new processes and procedures in place that aren't there at the moment, it's inevitable that you're going to experience delays, I guess, of this, of this level. So this, this, this leaked document, this report, doesn't surprise us in, in any shape or form. Um, but I think, you know, we are, we are really concerned as an industry as to the impact of this. Um, but I think, you know, the impact both on drivers but also on businesses that are likely to be sitting in, in those queues, you know, two days is going to put an enormous amount of cost into a haulier that simply can't sustain it, you know. So we, we, we really do need financial support from government in that eventuality. Bear in mind, we've got 59 days to Brexit. We've got 43 working days to Brexit. So we've got an enormous amount of work to prepare and get ready. Um, There is no doubt about the fact that government have stepped up the work that they are doing in order to come up with the processes. Um, But there are still gaps in those processes. And I would urge Grant Chaps and and, 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 uh, Michael Gove to really concentrate on HMRC and the Treasury to ensure that we've got clear trader processes so that traders really understand what they're preparing for so that they can pass that that, that information over to the hauliers. The haulier checklist list is looking pretty good from what we can see so far, but in terms of trader readiness and the customs process, there is still some big gaps and it's not clear. What you have to remember is we have built our supply chains uh, you know, up on just-in-time movements. Uh, and whether or not that's that short shelf life food or whether or not it's it's somebody else's supply chain supplying uh, you know, um, say, say, say for instance, clothes. Uh, the impact is that, that those delays are, are going to delay the ability to get product into shops for short shelf life products. Uh, you know, we have a very fine line. So we've got you've got vehicles standing for two days with product. By the time it gets to the supermarket NDC, and you've got to go through the process of processing that food through the NDC, then you've lost effectively the life of the product. It's going to be written off, and you're going to lose you're going to lose that stock. 
Meantime, the company that runs the Channel Tunnel from Folkestone says it's prepared for a no-deal Brexit. GetLink says it's ready for the new customs regulations if that happens and will introduce pit stop areas as well as larger parking spots for trucks entering the UK. It claims Eurotunnel passengers who use shuttle and Eurostar trains will see no change to the immigration formalities. It's going to be a big week in the House of Commons as MPs return to Parliament tomorrow after the summer recess. Boris Johnson's already threatening to expel Tory reps from the party if they try to stop a no-deal Brexit. Kent Online reports. A motorcyclist is in a serious condition in hospital following a crash in Frittenden. The bike he was riding collided with a car on the A229 Cranbrook Road yesterday afternoon. Anyone with dashcam footage from the time is being asked to contact investigators. A cat's been given oxygen therapy by firefighters following a fire at a home in Ramsgate. Crews were called to Park Road this morning where a ground floor flat was well alight. It's not known yet how it started. An online fundraising page has been set up to help replace a hot tub used by a girl with cerebral palsy that was stolen from a garden in Dartford. Eight-year-old Hannah Taylor used it for hydrotherapy. Police are investigating after it was taken from a property on Peeps Close overnight on Saturday. Almost a third of doctors hired to work in Kent hospitals last year have come from developing countries where recruitment is banned. The figures have prompted a warning from a health think tank about the staffing crisis within the NHS. Alex Bayliss from the King's Fund has been telling us more. The World Health Organisation is predicting that globally there's going to be a shortage of healthcare staff and as part of um, helping to manage that, in the UK we have a list of, of developing countries which the Department of Health and the Department for International Development have, have decided it wouldn't be ethical for the NHS to recruit from those countries because it will put them in an even worse position as the global shortage of healthcare staff uh, develops. Doctors and nurses are very mobile professionals. They're very valuable across the world. They do have a lot of opportunities. Uh, the important thing is that NHS trusts don't actively run recruitment campaigns in developing countries. If you look at most trusts, even though they might have quite large numbers of people coming from overseas, they're often made up of just one or two from, from each country. So it's not as if they're actually running active campaigns targeting uh, developing countries. It's just that because NHS jobs are advertised on the internet, anyone can access them. Uh, they attract a lot of uh, applications from overseas. The NHS has, has a, a fantastic international reputation, uh, both for things like uh, the opportunities for professionals to develop their careers uh, and the training that they can access. Uh, also, salaries in, in the UK compare well for doctors to uh, many other countries. The UK has a history of relying on uh, overseas trained doctors and nurses. Uh, we've not been good at managing to, to grow our own and, and train and develop enough doctors and nurses for the NHS for many years. At the moment, this is, this is a crisis. The NHS is really struggling to fill uh, all the jobs that it needs to. Our modelling shows that even if we ramp up the training places, because it takes so many years to qualify as a nurse or a doctor, uh, for at least the five, next five years, uh, we need a really significant uh, inflow of, of overseas trained staff. Of course, Brexit is part of this as well. Uh, so if, if the UK is less attractive to European doctors and nurses, then we may see more people from other countries, including developing countries, coming here.
So apart from increasing the training places, uh, we also need to look at the way that staff work more flexibly. So we see a lot of, uh, for example, paramedics working in primary care, doing jobs that in the past were done by GPs. Uh, we can work more flexibly across the professional groups. That, that needs uh, some development. It'll take a little bit of time, but it's, it's already starting to happen. Uh, and there's a lot of promise there. What NHS trusts need to do is make sure that if they're, if they're recruiting overseas, they're doing so ethically. Uh, it's entirely possible to do that, but they mustn't run active campaigns in developing countries. The importance of doing, of their, doing their recruitment ethically uh, is to avoid a situation where richer countries are poaching staff from developing countries who need them urgently for themselves. That's what we've got to avoid. Uh, the way that the NHS can manage this is by having a really transparent process where they're absolutely clear about uh, immigration rules and uh, uh, what's needed in terms of things like language testing, uh, and that they take each case one by one, not, not doing mass campaigns in developing countries. If we get everything working well in the NHS and we manage to cover off our vacancies, uh, there's also a staffing crisis in, in social care, in care homes and home care workers. And at the moment, the social care system also relies on people who come to the UK to work. Uh, and that also needs uh, addressing in the future because particularly post-Brexit, uh, we need to know that there will be a supply of people coming to work in social care. Otherwise, we'll get people stuck in the system, unable to leave hospital because the support they need at home isn't there. Well, the Department for Health and Social Care say the list of restricted countries is out of date, but a new one hasn't been provided. Kent Online Sport. Cricket and Kent's Joe Denley is going to open the batting for England in the fourth Ashes Test against Australia. He's switching places with Jason Roy, who scored just 62 runs in his past seven games at the top of the order. The game starts at Old Trafford on Wednesday. In football, former Charlton manager Chris Powell has joined the England setup to work under manager Gareth Southgate. The move is part of the FA's programme to improve diversity. He won five caps as left-back for England during his playing career. And finally today, former Strictly Come Dancing professionals James and Ola Jordan are expecting a baby. The couple who live near Maidstone have previously opened up about their struggles to conceive and said they were undergoing IVF treatment earlier this year. That's it for now, but for more news throughout the day, you can head to Kent Online News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.